Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. Alright, special warning, Chop Choppers. I know that it's very disappointing to you, as it is to us, but there will be no regulator on tonight's episode, unfortunately, and this is very serious. Her mom took a fall and is uh, needing medical attention and the attention of her daughter. So, uh, no Chelsea on here, but this is not an AARP podcast. Ow! Welcome to like Season 10, Episode 6 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Travice Squad, mm-hmm. a.k.a. The Amazing Dr. Traviter House. Yes. A.k.a. The Ten Catravments. Thank you. Uh, now, real quick, uh, before Dr. Traviter House, what's the real title? Uh, the Amazing Dr. Clitter House. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I would have thought that was a whole different movie. And I am joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, The Last Seanster. A.K.A. Confessions of a Nazi Spy. <laughs> A.K.A. The Shonsonati Kid. And in our third seat, please welcome returning guest, Joe East is West. A.K.A. Tampico Joe. A.K.A. A Bullet for Joey. A.K.A. Joey Pooh. A.K.A. Key Larjo. Oh, Key Larjo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you for uh, coming back on the show, sir. Thank you for having me. We are very happy to have you. It's just been me and Sean staring at each other for like three weeks. Further description of the show, the tagline says, watch Chop Retrofit, because basically that's what we do here. We watch older movies, uh, sometimes classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer though, we're not actually in favor of remakes and reboots and sequel dependent cinematic culture. This is more of an exercise in what, Sean? Irony. Satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed, see? Huh? With that, we're gonna go ahead and take it into our first segment of the evening, which is gonna be movie news. And this is where we try to pay attention throughout the week to stories that pertain to our subject at hand that we think that you, the chop shoppers out there, might find interesting. And unfortunately, this week, we do have to start it off with a couple of RIPs. Uh, First, rest in peace and rest in power to Lena Wertmuller, outrageously subversive Italian filmmaker, and also the first woman nominated for Best Director in the Academy Awards for her film Seven Beauties in 1975. She was 93 years young. That's a good run. That's what we call a good run. Rest in peace and rest in power to her. Next, RIP to Martha De Laurentiis. She was a producer on Hannibal and Red Dragon. Martha De Laurentiis, a producer with more than 40 years of experience in the entertainment industry and wife of the late Dino De Laurentiis, died on Saturday following a long battle with cancer. She was 67 years old. Rest in peace and rest in power. Next up, uh, the life of legendary director, 
Sydney Portier <laughs> is going to become a Broadway play. Uh, it, direct, I think they're going to focus on his acting. Director and actor. Sydney Portier is 94 years young and has lived an extraordinary life both on and off screen. Now his life is on its way to becoming a stage play bound for Broadway. That comes to us from SlashFilm.com. Next up, Thomas Hollande. Tom Holland confirms that he will be playing Fred Astaire in an upcoming biopic about that dancing fool. Spider-Man star Tom Holland is swapping his web shooters for dancing shoes. The 25-year-old officially confirmed on Sunday that he'll portray the legendary actor, dancer, and singer Fred Astaire in an upcoming biopic for Sony. Oh, it's for Sony. Imagine that. Uh, and that comes to us from Variety.com. Any thoughts on that, guys? They've got their claws firmly in his flesh. They do. Next up, Shang-Chi sequel in the works with filmmaker Destin Daniel Creighton. Creighton, who is also developing a Disney Plus show, has signed a multi-year deal with Marvel Studios and Hulu's Onyx Collective. I'm glad that Onyx, the rap hey. group, is still in the game. Let the boys be boys. Yep. That's from the HollywoodReporter.com. And finally, uh, bringing it a little bit closer to home, guys, this comes to us from WMBF News. Ooh, and local. this is from Charleston. Uh, Chevy Chase showed up at one of Charleston's Raising Cane's locations to grab some chicken as well as surprise some unsuspecting customers at the drive-thru. He actually put on the headset and waited on customers thoughts um i'm more excited that there's raising canes locations in charleston i thought it seemed like maybe he had actually like mended some bridges with bill murray and was hanging out with him because that totally sounds like a, a bill murray thing wait is do. there is there chevy bill murray beef i think there was there certainly was at times also i think it's pretty common knowledge that chevy chase is a hard person to deal with yep in general and that comes to us from WMBF. WMBF News. Coverage you can count on. <laughs> it's probably not even their, <laughs> their thing. Uh, but that's going to wrap us up on movie news for this week. Oh, shit. You guys hear a phone ringing? That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. <laughs> Hello, Chop Shoppers. Here's the Joe Lowdown for this week. The vampire movie Nicolas Cage was in was called Vampire's Kiss. I think Sean was confusing him with Jim Carrey, maybe? Joe Beth Williams' character in Stir Crazy was Richard Pryor's and Gene Wilder's court-appointed attorney's law partner, Meredith. Zelda Rubenstein was 49 at the time Poltergeist came out. Come collect your prize, Travis. I think the post-apocalyptic movie produced by the BBC that you were thinking of was either The War Game or Threads, but The Day After was inspired by The China Syndrome. That's it. I'm going to go big chill out. See you next time. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. We do appreciate it. And my only prize is your hard work. And that's going to close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week, bringing us to the theme of the episode. See? In celebration of his 28th birthday, December 12th, <laughs> the films of Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> it's my best. What do you got? 
I got high pants for fast talker, see? Yeah, we're going to get this thing done in a hurry. Come on. It's really good. I told you uh, yesterday, I think, that I might have been conflating Edward G. Robinson with uh, James Cagney for like a long time. That's, that's, un that's, that's understandable. Because yeah. they were contemporaries and they actually got paired together yeah. uh, by Paramount or somebody like yeah, that. They, yeah, they, they, both, they both really uh, benefited from the whole gangster yes. thing. Born Emmanuel Goldenberg, he was a Romanian-American actor of stage and screen during Hollywood's golden age. He appeared in 30 Broadway plays and more than 100 films in more than a 50-year career. He's best remembered as a tough guy and gangsters in such films as Little Caesar and Key Largo. During the 1930s and 40s, he was an outspoken critic of both fascism and Nazism which were growing in strength in Europe in the years which led up to World War II. During the 1950s, he was called to testify in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee during the Red Scare, but he was cleared of any deliberate communist involvement when he claimed that he was, quote, duped by several people whom he named, including screenwriter Dalton Trumbo. Robinson. Yeah, I was duped, see? Yeah, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't know what I was going on. <laughs> it wasn't me. What you, yeah. What's a coming? I don't even know what a coming is, huh? I just had some friends who wanted me to come over and have, have your drinks, you know, some, some cigars. Robinson has been the inspiration for a number of animated television characters, usually caricatures of his most distinctive snarling gangster guys. An early version of the gangster character Rocky featured in the Bugs Bunny cartoon Racketeer Rabbit, sharing his likeness. And Sean, that's where you said you learned. It oh, from absolutely, him, right? man! Yeah, Bugs Bunny taught me Edward G. Robinson before I knew who Edward G. Robinson was. And also, the voice of Hank Azaria, uh, voice actor Hank Azaria, has noted that the voice of his Simpsons character, Police Chief Ch <laughs> Clancy Wiggum, is an impersonation of Robinson. This has been explicitly joked about in episodes of the show, including. The Day the Violence Died in 1996, a character states that Chief Wiggum is clearly based on Robinson. And in 2008's Treehouse of Horror uh, 19, Wiggum and Robinson's ghost each accuse each other of being ripoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so what else do we need to know about Edward G. Robinson? You know, you mentioned the, the gangster persona, uh -huh. and that's only the tip of the iceberg right. for his acting career. We've got some he's films. He's got a lot of other ones. Uh, we, we've covered a few in some past episodes where he's played the average everyman, uh -huh. and he does that very well. Uh, he was also, we um, determined in trivia, in Soylent Green. He is people. It's funny watching some of these older films uh they didn't do camera tricks back then like mm -hmm. they do now with shorter actors yeah he looks really short on film but he's only he's five seven which i'm i'm five seven that's short yes but it's not like tom cruise short where they've got to put you up on you know apple boxes and right. the camera to make you look taller uh i like it though and i'm just now off the top of my head i'm wondering if joe pesci was inspired by edward g robinson in terms of his like gangster persona well don't spoil any recasts oh i didn't use him did oh, no i shit. didn't okay. i didn't but you know <laughs> it's possible All right so that is the theme of our episode tonight that's how we're going to be talking and what we're going to be talking about that brings us to our next segment right yeah the midnight double feature and this is where we go around the panel and we each talk about two films that we have thought about in advance and decided that they would make a good pairing for this subject 
And Joey, as our guest, would you like to go first with your double sure. feature? Sure. Uh, you know, I was a little bit nervous about this one uh, because I didn't think I'd seen enough Edward G. Robinson films to make this. But then when I looked at his filmography, I found out that I had seen quite a mm-hmm. few of them. And he's done a lot of movies. Yep. Um, and it struck me how long his career was because it started back in the 20s. Right. And what I'm assuming are silent, obviously mm-hmm. silent era movies uh, and stretched on into the 70s when he died. Um, so I kind of bookended his career with these two films, uh, both of which I love. Uh, the first one's from 1944, uh, which is not actually super early in his career, but you know, uh, early on, uh, it's Double Indemnity. Okay. Uh, classic film noir, uh, directed by Billy Wilder. Nice. Uh, Robinson plays uh, Barton Keith, uh, who's an insurance investigator who's investigating uh, the possible murder uh, of his friend who may or may not have been murdered uh, to fulfill an in- insurance contract by his wife. Uh, if y'all have not seen this movie, see it. It's I watched it this week. Great. Yeah, Incidentally, a- the director, Billy Wilder, the father of Gene Wilder, who was in Stir Crazy, which was directed by Sidney oh Poitier. <laughs> Connecting those dots. <laughs> and Joey. Uh, my second one is uh, the... A very last feature film he did, although as Sean was saying earlier when we were chatting, he there's a, there's a you said a, a voice role he did after this, yeah. Um, but pretty much his last movie, um, I had seen this movie uh, several times and I didn't really connect the dots that it was Edward G. Robinson, probably because I associate him with an earlier era and with those those types of characters, and this is a much different character. Uh, he plays Saul Roth, yes. uh, who is uh, sort of a grizzled uh, detective who's Charlton Heston's character's mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a murder mystery. I don't want to give this away in case there anybody, and there's anyone listening who has not seen Soylent Green. It's Look, people. Spoilers on a 50-year-old <laughs> it's movie. People. <laughs> it's people. <laughs> and uh, again, uh, not a quintessential role of his, but uh, a very good performance and uh, a capstone for his career, I guess. All right, my films. Yes. You're going to love this. We talked about one of these on our film noir episode. We recast the whole thing. It was uh, Scarlet Street from 1945, uh-huh. directed by Fritz Lang. Yep. Uh, starring Edward G. Robinson, Joan Bennett, and Dan Durier. Oh, okay. Dan Durier. All right. Just to give you a recap of it for anybody who hasn't seen it, Robinson plays a character. His name's Chris Cross. Christopher Cross. Joan. Miggity Joan. Mac. Uh, <laughs> 25 year uh, as a cashier, he has a gold watch and not much else. On a rainy night, he rescues uh, Kitty, who's the femme fatale in the film. Nice. From uh, an abusive boyfriend, Johnny. And uh, he's smitten. Uh, he's an amateur painter. Um, he lets Kitty think that he's a wealthy, successful artist. And so he's, uh, you know, doing these paintings and stuff. Yes. Uh, Johnny, Dan Durier, urges Kitty. Uh, to let Chris establish in her apartment and they're going to, you know, basically sell his painting uh, paintings under her name. So, so he's a dupe. A scam. He's a dupe. And, and Dan Durier is the con man. And I, I love this, love this movie when we did it. And it's a great one. All right. So that was 45. I'm going to take you back a year to 1944. And I'm going to talk about woman in the window directed by Fritz Lang uh-oh. Starring Edward G. Robinson. Yes. Joan Bennett and Dan Durier. No shit. Okay. So you've got a movie about a college professor. Mm-hmm. His name's Wanley. And he and his friends become obsessed with the portrait of a woman 
in a window, a store window, a painting. Mm-hmm. So once again, we got a painting motif. He happens to see her like standing behind him in the reflection of the glass and starts talking to her. They strike up a, a, a relationship. He goes back to her place. Her jealous boyfriend shows up and attacks him. He accidentally kills the guy in self-defense, but to avoid the complications of the cops, they decide to duff the body somewhere. And guess what? Dan Durier saw the whole thing. And he's going to give them the shakedown. And he's going to make them sweat it. And he's going to blackmail them for all the money that they're and worth. And they will be duped by Dan Durier. So, yeah. Essentially, you've got the same director, the same cast, similar archetypes, and this whole thing about paintings. So it's really bizarre that you've got these two films so close together with so many similarities. Um, but uh, spoiler for uh, Woman in the Window, it was all a dream. It was all a dream. Uh so for the listeners out there and for my reminder, Fritz Lang also did Metropolis, right? Well, I do really like the all of the similarities between your two picks, and that's um, a lot more work than I did. <laughs> I, um, I picked two movies about stealing things with seven in the title. The first one is called Seven Thieves from 1960. It was directed by Henry Hathaway. It's got no rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but I do have the tagline. The robbery that rocked Monte Carlo. (laughs) Thea Wilkins, played by Edward G. Robinson, a disgraced American science professor, recruits Paul Mason, played by Rod Steiger. Steiger? Steiger. Steiger. A thief who has recently been released from jail to help him with one final heist on the French Riviera. Theo's crack team also includes Melanie, played by Joan Collins, a beautiful dancer, and Poncho, played by Eli Wallach, a saxophonist. While the group has a brilliant plot for the multi-million dollar robbery, rising tensions and unexpected twists threaten their chance to escape with a fortune. Now we fast forward four years with Robin and the Seven Hoods right 1964 of course directed by gordon douglas it's got a 40 percent on rotten tomatoes here's your tagline like we've taken the robin hood legend and we like changed the bows and arrows to machine gun see like with songs yet like wild uh this is a rat pack adaptation of the robin hood okay narrative and edward g robinson's character is the um undisputed gangster boss of chicago and he immediately gets rubbed out in the first act so much so that he's uncredited in the movie ouch yes uh even though like he sets all of the wheels in motion for the story of the wow, film. Well, they disrespect the man. Yeah, but you've got um, Frank Sinatra, you've got Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Falk shows up, and, oh, Barbara Rush is in there as well. So, yeah, uh, Seven Thieves, Robin and the Seven Hoods. There you go. And that will wrap us up on the Midnight Double Feature. I'm going to say uh, more of a recommend on Seven Thieves than robin and the seven hoods how about you sean i recommend scarlet street that's probably my favorite edward g robinson movie and uh woman in the window is fine uh but the 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 it's all a dream bullshit ending kind of pissed me off yeah and joey your both of mine are great uh double indemnity is a classic Mm -hmm. film noir and then soylent green uh is a great dystopian science fiction movie a little bit of trivia 
I don't mean to be alarmist, but Solent Green is set next year. Oh, 2022, wow. y'all. Uh, all right, it's time to get into our feature segment, you guys. This is what we're all here for. This is what puts the bus in the seats. <laughs> it is the recast. And this is where we take a predetermined movie that we have all seen, and we... Uh, talk about it a little bit, and then we hypothetically recast the main roles with contemporary actors who are... At the height of their powers, eh? Perfect. So the first film that we're going to be discussing and giving that treatment is Little Caesar. It's hot and ready. <laughs> and it's only five bucks. <laughs> it's from 1931. They've had that deal for a long time. Directed by Mervyn Leroy. Uh, we got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um... Here's your tagline. The power mad monarch of the murder mobs. I think they were just going for alliteration. I guess so. An aspiring small town criminal, Caesar, quote, Rico Bandello, played by Edward G. Robinson, relocates to Chicago to hit the big time, accompanied by his buddy, Joe Massara, played by Douglas Fairbanks Jr. While Rico makes a name for himself in the underworld, Joe decides to leave to leave the life of crime and just wants to dance. <laughs> um, he goes into show business where he meets the lovely dancer Olga, played by Glenda Farrell, grandmother of Perry Farrell. Though Rico and Joe try to honor their friendship, eventually their choices take them down dramatically different paths. To say, Wait, the, is, is to she say the least. Really, grandmother of no, uh, James he made that name up. That's not even his <laughs> okay. real name. To say the least, uh, it takes them down dramatically different paths. Paths. And so before we get into the roles we're recasting, what did you guys, how did you guys feel about this movie? I thought the gay subtext was fantastic. And palpable. It was really good. <laughs> like if you watch this as a gay film, yeah, it's so much better. Uh-huh. Okay. So I will, I'll remind you about this when we get into the 2021 movie marathon, because that is applicable to a film that I saw uh joey your thoughts on little caesar i was underwhelmed um i'm a big fan of uh early cinema right but some of the stuff from the 30s when they're still sort mm -hmm. of figuring out how to make movies they're I just like there's this stagey yeah. quality and yeah. sometimes it rises <clears throat> above that this one didn't really the, for me there were a lot of scenes like i'm gonna walk over here now and i'm mm -hmm. gonna do this thing and i'm gonna talk to you about this and we're gonna go here and then we're gonna cut to the next scene what is we that that's called in in terms of drama it's not exhibition it's called it's just uh, bad editing exposition yeah yeah it's just exposition. bad editing we did but not also there's see there's a stiffness to it yeah, which i it, guess plays into sean's theory speak, about it being speaking a, of playing into, to me it felt like i was watching a play in black and white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. I feel like this is one of those movies that's probably more important than it is enjoyable. Um, because you can kind of see like that whole wise guy gangster yeah. thing sort of coalescing here. Yeah. And maybe it had not been, uh, done ad nauseum yet. Mm -hmm. They know? had not fully baked the pizza. All right. Is this more of an American pie joke? Little Caesars. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you fucking Little Caesars pizzas? <laughs> All right. The roles we're going to recast. First, we've got Caesar Enrico Rico Bandello or Little Caesar played by Edward G. Robinson, who was 38 at the time. Then we've got uh, Joe Massara, his 
his uh, right-hand man slash basically best friend who or protege even who wants to get out of the game but keeps getting pulled back in. Then we've got Olga, the beautiful dancer who uh, is showing Joe a better life, played by Glenda Farrell, who was 27 at the time. And then finally, we've got Sergeant Flaherty, played by Thomas E. Jackson, who was 45 at the time. Joey, as our guest, you have first go at the recast of Rico, Little Caesar Bandello. All right. Well, I have a concept uh, for my remake here, my reboot here. Think a loving spoof. Mm-hmm. Uh, something kind of like... Leslie um, Nielsen-esque? What, uh, what's the movie? Is it The Artist uh, from okay. several oh. years ago? That was an homage okay. to Silent okay. Era. Yeah. So um, send up. So it's somewhere between a reverent remake and a spoof. Okay. Somewhere in there. So we're thinking comic actors. I like it. And uh, I wish that I had brought some visual aids for you guys. <laughs> Uh, but I did not. A, is this a knock on me? Here's my double feature poster. <laughs> no, I didn't because th- this guy, I, as soon as I was thinking about this, I thought, okay, I know who I'm going to cast. What is this motherfucker's name? Uh, and his name is Joe Latruglia. Yeah. You no, know I know who that exactly is? who you're talking about. Okay. Yes. I don't. He, uh, he's he's in, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, oh, okay. He's oh. in Superbad. And he has sort of an Edward G. Robinson look. Yeah, he does. Uh, and he's a comic actor who I think could pull off what I want to do here. We're going to film it in black and white. Uh, he's doing his uh, best Edward G. Robinson impersonation. Um, he and is that's what... uh, uh, Andy Samberg's sidekick on Brooklyn Yeah, Nine yeah, Nine, yeah. Right? I know yeah. who you're talking about now. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's he also pick. has shown up in a lot of like Apato productions over the years. Yeah, yeah he's uh he's been like a character actor in so many things. Yeah. Well, speaking of Apatow, I was a 39 year old actor. Who is it, Sean? He's a Jewish American actor from Chicago. See, uh-huh. and, uh huh. And he's been in uh, the reboot of Vacation. He was in in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Uh huh. Not another teen movie. Inglorious Bastards. But most would know him from his original role on freaks and geeks i went with sam levine sam levine okay, okay. he's a shorty and roundy yes and perfect oh that's pretty good man i think that he would be very complimented and by you picking him for this and he's age appropriate yeah um all right well my pick is an actor who started in comedy and also in some apato things um He's 38 now, age appropriate. He was in some more serious roles, which are the ones I'm going to cite. He was in Moneyball, The Wolf of Wall Street, War Dogs, and the upcoming Don't Look Up, Jonah Hill. Okay. Jonah Hill is going to be my little Caesar. I never doubt him. He is a chameleon, and he can Mm -hmm. do pretty much... He has slimmed down a lot recently and it has remarkable range oh too. yeah yeah oh yeah absolutely and who who would have predicted that you know seeing super bad know, yeah, yeah yes no one well even super bad he was like in his mid-20s playing a high schooler yep. you know so there you go i love it i love my pick all right <laughs> next we've got uh joe masara played by douglas fairbanks jr and he was 22 at the time. Joey, who was your pick for this? 
Uh, again, we're going for a, uh, a somewhere between a loving remake and a spoof, uh, going back to the super bad well here, um, with McLovin himself, uh, yes. Christopher Mintz plus playing, uh, this character. Nice. That's great. Go um, for it, Sean. I went with the 22 year old actor. He is very suave and debonair looking. He was in the either it's broadcast. I guess it has. We're at the end of 2021. He was in the Waltons Homecoming reboot as John Boy. Whoa, 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 whoa! There was a Waltons reboot. He played John Boy. He was in the film Gnome. He was in the Dying Game, but most would know him from the TV series This Is Us as the 17 year old version of Kevin. I went with Logan Schroyer. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, gnome as in the gnome. city in Alaska or gnome like as, as in the, the little creature, the little tiny guy, deadly creature. Did you know that like gnomes, if you have two gnomes facing each other, it's like a signal to swingers no. on your front porch. Did no. you guys know that? No. Did you gnome that? I did not gnome that. Making a note to... Move my gnomes to face each Adjust other. Adjust your yes. gnomes, folks. <laughs> Unless, I mean, otherwise... Unless you're down. Ad- adjust them accordingly. Adjust your gnomes accordingly. I think, though, if you if you go to someone, if you approach someone's house expecting to swing with them because of their gnomes, you yeah. should feel it out a little bit before yeah. you... <laughs> Probably. Just assume that there might be some crazy cosplay yeah, involved. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need you to put on this beard. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, my pick, right? It's on me. It's on you. My pick for Joe Massara is 22 now. He was in, and I'm not super familiar with him, but I did use my formula, face value, acting ability, and essence. Uh, (laughs) He's 22 now. He was in Wrath of Man, The Fuck It List, and Run, Hide, Fight. His name is Eli Brown. Okay. Eli Brown. Next up, we've got Olga. Joey, who is your pick for Olga, the woman who shows Joe that there is life outside of the world of crime? Well, again, this is a somewhat comic remake, somewhere between a loving remake, a reboot, and a spoof. Uh, so I went with uh, an actress who's currently on the cast of Saturday Night Live. Uh, yes. She's kind of known for impersonations. Uh, she does Drew Barrymore, uh, among others. And her name is Chloe Fineman. Okay. Cool. Sean, who is your Olga? I'm with a 29-year-old actress. She was in Spy Kids. Uh-huh. She was in Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. She was Hannah in, Montana. She was in Cyberbully. Pretty smart. She was most recently in the Kaminsky Method. She's the sister of uh, Haley Joel Osment. It's Emily Osment. No shit. Shit. Okay. My Olga is 27 now. She was in The Duff. She was in Switched Before Birth and Furry Vengeance. Her name is Skylar Samuels. Skylar Samuels. Okay. Furry vengeance is what happens when you assume about gnomes <laughs> facing each I'm other. I'm just picturing something bad happening at a furry convention. Right. And there's some sort of like girlfriend revenge porn going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got one more, right? Yep. It is Sergeant Flaherty, who was 45 at the time. And he was played by Thomas E. Jackson. Joey, who's your Jackson? 
Well, again, uh, going back to the super bad well with this one uh, for my comic uh, spoof of Little Caesar. We've got Bill Hader. Love it. Love it. Bill Hader can do no wrong in my book. I'm not a hater hater. This character is problematic for me. He looks like he had a stroke. Mm. He is that tight-lipped. And that's not a knock against people who've had strokes, but I Sharon thought there was Stone something. had a stroke. Well, I thought there was something wrong with him. You're saying there's something wrong with somebody if they've had a stroke? No, so. I thought I thought that he had like a medical issue that needed to be addressed on the set. Just just super stilted delivery, very reserved and very weird. He was okay. probably the weirdest character in the film. So with that, I was inspired to cast a 57 year old actor who was in. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. River's Edge, Willard, and Back to the Future. I'm with Crispin Glover. Okay. Ooh. All right, slow it down. He was in Alice in Wonderland. Which yeah. which version of Alice in Wonderland? I don't know. The Tim Burton one. Oh, okay. Uh, and then what were the other things? Oh, I'm sorry. River's Edge, yes. Willard. Willard? Who was he in Willard? The main character? Oh, I'm thinking of Wilfred, the one about the dog, <laughs> the imaginary <laughs> dog. <laughs> Okay, I was like, who was he in that? Do you remember that year I dressed as Wilfred for Halloween? Yes. That was great. That was great. It was very hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of furry vengeance. I don't mean sexy. <laughs> uh, my pick for Sergeant Flaherty is also 45 now. He was in Wind River. He was in The Dark Knight Rises and Wyatt Earp back in the 90s. He must have been quite young. His name is Ian Bowen. Ian, Ian Bowen. Bowen. Yep, he's the Sergeant Flaherty. Okay, fine. That's yeah, it does it. not look like he could have been in Wyatt Earp unless he was like a child he actor had to have been a child. or something. It, I, it said ni- Wyatt Earp, 1996. Weird. So those are our roles, you guys. What are we going to say about this movie before we take it to intermission? You're not missing a lot if you skip it. Only if you are a devotee of... Early, yeah, Edward G. Robinson, just early cinema, cinema in general, yeah, a Robinson completist. But uh, it does give you that full look at that whole caricature of him as a, as a yeah, see, yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, he's on full display in that. It's capacity. like it almost oh, no. seems like self-parody watching it right. this, this many years later. Yeah. So I wonder if anybody out there has ever watched the movie Little Caesar while eating Little Caesar's pizza. All right, guys, it's time to go to intermission. But not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves some hot and ready pizza. A knuckle sandwich, see? Soylent green. And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM. The Shop with Travisito, the Brew Boss. And me, Chelsea, the Regulator. Well, we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All morning morning long. And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. 
Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah. hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck! Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger... Trontastic Ron! I'm gonna rip his face off! Woo! And the defending champ... Little Thanos! You ain't got nothing, brother! I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition! So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemachopshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. All right. Welcome back, Chop Shoppers. Thank you for bearing with us during intermission. And when we come back from intermission, Sean, what do we like to do? Beer check in. Playing with the boys. Uh, we like to do beer check ins. And what do we have to check in first? In then? honor of Joey's triumphant return, we are going to check in a beer from Dissolver Brewing in Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. It's called Thank You for Existing. Aw. It's a you Kolsch, guys. It's a Kolsch style ale. I like the uh, the name of the brewery. Yeah, it's Dissolver. Uh, there's kind of like a like a whole tattoo parlor kind of thing going on with their vibe. Hmm. We've had one of theirs before on the show. Okay, cool. I uh, I do like that though, Sean. That is quite tasty. And once again, what's the name of the beer? So Does Chelsea it, can check it in on Untapped. Oh yeah, so she can do her due diligence. It's thank you for existing. Very good. All right, while we enjoy that, shall we get into the 2021 movie marathon? Yes. We're in the final. The final countdown. Uh, That was the hype song at Trivia this past week. (laughs) Uh, So as of this recording, it is the 344th day of the year. And uh, the 2021 movie marathon is where throughout the calendar year, we and whoever else would like to participate, try to watch as many movies as we can and check them in in one way or another. Keep track of them and try to hit 365 before New Year's Eve, right? Yeah. And I'm on 350. I'm on 376. Joey, you, you're you not actually keeping track, but you've seen some movies lately. Would you like to check in some? Uh, yeah, I'll check in a couple uh, 
the uh, November curation um, curated selection on the Criterion Channel was called Noir Vember, ah, uh, which was right up my alley. I'm a big fan of film noir, uh, and two of them uh, particular. Uh, Sean and I actually talked about this. I wake up screaming. Uh, was really good. But what uh, movie was it? <laughs> <laughs> Sean and I woke up screaming uh, and uh, Hangover Square uh, both of which feature Laird Krieger who was an actor I'd, I don't think I'd ever heard of before uh, this is a British actor um, and as Sean was pointing out when we, we were chatting about it um, plays two very very different characters uh, in these two movies, like almost like a different person, it okay. seems like. Um, and both are very, very, very good. Very nice. And now I noticed that you're leaning into the hard R on noir. And so I think that's great. I love my noirs, but where's my vintage? Go ahead, Sean. What's your double feature? <laughs> I'm going to go with another Edward G. Robinson film. This one is from 1965. It's The Cincinnati Kid. The Sean Cincinnati kid. This stars Steve McQueen. Yep. And Edward G. Robinson in a poker drama. Also in this film is a nearly unrecognizable Rip Torn. Uh-uh. But for me, the movie's all about Anne-Margaret. Now, wait, it, why is he unrecognizable? Because he's, he's so young, he's he doesn't have so the... He's so young, and he's playing a Southern gentleman. Okay. And it, it did not register, even though I read the credits. I do love Rip He's Torn, one of those guys that seems like he was always an old man. Yeah. 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 And uh, I just, it struck, just, I was like, wait a minute, that's Rip Torn. But anyway, Anne Margaret's in this, and she is... Nice. Amazing. Yes. Cool. Well, my first check-in is going to be number 341, and it's called The Rescue, and it's from 2021, and it's an incredible documentary um, from the same guy who did Nehru, 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 uh, Jimmy Chin, Jimmy Chin, the fantastic documentarian. Um, it's about the rescue of a junior soccer team in the Tham Luang Nong Non Cave in northern Thailand. Uh, by amateur cave divers. These guys just did this shit for fun. And then they were the only people who could do it. Like the Thai SEAL team couldn't do it. And so these guys who just did this recreationally came in and saved all of those kids. And it was very harrowing and very rewarding. Spoiler alert, all those kids are alive. Another Edward G. Robinson. This one comes from the Criterion Collection, uh, Torn from the Front Pages, I think it was called. It, it's about newspapers. And this is from 1931. It's called Five Star Final. Mm -hmm. And Edward G. Robinson plays the editor of a newspaper that's kind of taken on a yellow journalism slant to sell more papers. Okay. They find a woman who had committed a murder and she served her time. Now she's back out in the wild. Oh, well, that's and, a good story. And she and her husband have a daughter who's trying to marry into society. Uh -huh. And the newspaper is fucking it all up for everybody. Yeah. I just put this on my watch list like 10 minutes before I came over here today. And Edward G. Robinson really has a crisis of conscience through the course of the film. And more than anything else, just, the fact that newspapers played such a right. vital role at a certain time in history yeah. 
And like most of the scenes apparently are shot at night, yet everybody's still at work. And it's like, give me so-and-so from the editorial. Mm -hmm. And the guy like walks in from the next desk. It's like, why aren't you at home with your family? (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a good flick. And if you've got it on your queue, I'm not going to spoil anything. It's worth a watch. So it's uh, crazy how the exploitative journalism played a role back then. And we've totally resolved that issue now. Absolutely. We are completely free and clear of it. Happen at all. I'm going to talk about something like that in my next pick. (laughs) All right. So I've got another one. It's number 342. It's Belfast. I'm pretty sure I didn't talk about Belfast last week. Uh, This is directed by Kenneth Branagh, and it's about his upbringing in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. And I thought that it was very moving and that uh, everybody should watch it. I'm going to crack open another beer. Do it. Uh, This one, I I told you, this sounds like something a gangster would say. A day late and a dollar short. (laughs) Uh, This is a Session Hazy IPA from Revelry Brewing down in Charleston. Mm -hmm. It says hazy. It's not hazy at all. It's not hazy. Now, since part of the reason that I do this podcast is to learn about beer... Um, session IPA just refers to the fact that it's lower alcohol. Correct. That is correct. And this one is a four. That paper towel roll right there. It's a four point seven five. Uh, oh fuck, Joey! Would you? Never mind. He's got. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I had it by the tip, mm-hmm. and then I lost the grip. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh... playing with the boys. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to check in. Uh, This is number 375 for me. No Way Out. And this is from the Criterion 20th 20th Century Fox Noir Collection. Uh, This stars uh, the great director, Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier. (laughs) (laughs) Of stir-crazy fame. As I said in my review, golly, I'm sure glad we're beyond the racism of the 1950s. Oh, wait, never mind. Yep. (laughs) Uh, this could easily be remade today with a certain political sect playing the role of the racist patients. Yeah. Sidney Poitier is a young intern doctor at a hospital. These two rednecks get shot in the leg by the cops to incapacitate them. They come into the room. They're side by side. Well, Poitier realizes that there's something wrong with this other brother beyond just his leg injury. And he suspects he's got something in his brain that's about to kill Was it him. his other brother, Daryl. No. So he's working feverishly to try to save him, but he dies. And the brother's like, you killed him. You killed my brother. And he uses. Now, the, when you say brother, <laughs> his flesh and blood brother. Okay. And he uses the N word a lot. Hard R. A lot. And so far. So fair. <laughs> fair warning. Everybody. This one is, it's hard to watch if you're, it, it, it's just, it is hard to watch period. But, um, Portier has the support of his hospital. They, okay. they believe in him as a, as a qualified doctor, yet you have this racist and his racist family, and it kind of boils over into like a race war kind of situation. And I'm not going to spoil the conclusion, but it is a damn fine movie, and it's prescient to today's whole situation. And yeah. I'm watching it going, I can't believe that we're still in the midst of this kind of shit. It's true. It's infuriating to see it as something that happened, you know, a movie that was, was premiered 70 years ago 
and yet here we are. <laughs> All right. So uh, side tangent. Uh, do you remember that movie where Will Smith played a guy pretending to be Sidney Portier's son? Yes. Do you think that maybe Sidney, uh, Will Smith should play Sidney Portier in the biopic? No. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but I do remember that movie. It's uh, Six Degrees of Separation. Indeed. All right, so my final check-in for this week is going to be number 349 or 350. It depends on when I finish these movies. I finished this one right before we came over. It's called The Power of the Dog from 2021. Uh, this is on Netflix, and That's it stars Benedict Cumberbatch. It stars Meth Damon himself. <laughs> Oh, Jesse Plemons? Uh, Jesse Plemons and his real-life wife, Kirsten Dunst. Jesse Plemons' character and Benedict Cumberbatch's character are cattle baron heirs. They run a ranch in Montana that their wealthy parents have uh, financed, the old man and the old lady. And Kirsten Dunst's character runs a... <clears throat> boarding house slash restaurant that is along the cattle trail in Montana. And Jesse Plemons' character falls in love with her, even though she is the widow of a suicide victim. And she has a son who is, let's say, different from a lot of the people in Montana, played by Cody Smith McPhee. Benedict Cumberbatch in this movie is a fucking asshole. Like, almost evil right but then you realize there's a reason that he is uh being so cruel to cody smith mcphee because he's got his own latent homosexual tendencies and then shit goes crazy the the movie is told in like seven chapters and i watched the first half last night before i went to bed and i was like man he's gonna kill that rabbit and then it was just way, <laughs> it was just way, way different. What the hell? Seriously, watch this movie and tell me what you think. Okay, it's because on my list, it's, man. It's in my head right now and it's fucked up. All right. And I don't think I spoiled anything. The rabbit is not a major plot point. All right, that's my last check-in for the 2021 Movie Marathon. And that brings us into the second part of our feature segment. It is the recast continued. Part two, say. And the movie that we're going to recast for this one is, I believe, a superior film. Absolutely. It's called Key Largo. From Key Largo. Key Largo. <laughs> that's me. That's me. <laughs> He's the one who did that. Uh, Key Largo from 1948, directed by John Huston. The fantastic John Huston. John Huston, um, the father of Angelica Huston. Yes. And the grandfather of Jack Huston. These dynasties keep showing up. Uh, all right. So Key Largo. It's got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Do and you, those 3% are fucking stupid. They're assholes. Yeah. They don't even know what a good movie is because this is a good fucking movie. A storm of fear and fury is sizzling in the Florida Keys. <laughs> okay. Have either of you ever been to the Keys? I have not been to the Keys, but I know lots of people who have been. Right? I have not. I have only been once. Uh, my lovely wife, Michelle, drink, and I uh, went on a whim 
and um, she became mad at me because I declared that I was the king of the keys. King of the keys. And that made her mad. That made her mad. Out of all the shit you've done to piss her off. All right. So in this classic film noir by John Huston, starring Humphrey Bogart as World War II vet Frank McLeod, visiting Key Largo to pay his respects to the family of his late war buddy, McLeod attempts to comfort his comrade's widow, Nora, played by Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart were married at the time, and at this point, she is literally half his age. Yes. Nora, played by Lauren Bacall, and father, James Temple, played by Lionel Barrymore, another Another dynasty, dynasty, uh, who operate a hotel called the Largo Motel. But McLeod realizes that mobsters led by the infamous Johnny Rocco, Edward G. Robinson, are staying at the hotel. When the criminals take over the establishment, conflict is inevitable. I reviewed it on Letterboxd today. Um, if anyone wants to follow me, it's Jay Pizzle, by the way. Uh, and my only, the only thing I said in my review was, how have I not seen this until now? Because, holy shit, this yeah. is a great, great movie. And it's right in my wheelhouse <laughs> the, of what I love. The setup is amazing. It's basically like a bottle episode of a TV show because they're trapped at the hotel because of the hurricane. For the most part. Yeah. You also have the uh, sympathetic hotel owner who's sympathetic to the Native Americans. Yeah, the Seminole Indians. Right, and the Osceola brothers. The Osceola brothers, yeah. yeah. He's so sweet to them. They're they're these two brothers who constantly get into trouble and they they do what he says because he knows how to make things right Right. and, and smooth things over it that the 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 racism Mm -hmm. towards the native americans yet their characters who are sympathetic is very touching speaking to that uh one of the osceola brothers was played by the actor who played tonto on yeah how about that old lady though that gets off the boat Mm. first when they're like getting ready for the hurricane she is amazing right but uh and edward g robinson's character freaking out about the hurricane Mm -hmm. is okay uh, noteworthy i checked this in a few a few months ago yeah uh, so i'm not too far off the pace of you like how did i not see this until just now these fucking gangsters are fucking stupid as shit. Mm-hmm. So what's the deal with this hurricane? And they're like, <laughs> it's going to rain and the wind's going to be really hard. So we're going to take the boat out. Mm-hmm. What, is <laughs> what does that mean? It means there's a hurricane. Have you not heard of the hurricane? I mean, granted, they didn't have the weather channel and Jim Cantore, you know, faking it in front yeah, of the Yeah, you right. didn't know two weeks ahead of time that it was but coming. But at the yeah. same time, I'm pretty sure most people know that a hurricane's pretty fucking deadly. Well, it, they're uh, emphasizing the fish out of water trope. Uh, to to almost unbelievable effect, in my opinion. All right. So the roles that we're going to recast, we've got Frank McLeod, played by Humphrey Bogart, who was 49 at the time. We've got Nora Temple, played by Lauren Bacall, and she's the daughter of the hotel owner. Uh, she was 24 at the time. We've got Johnny Rocco, played by Edward G. Robinson, who was 55. And in the first act, he is reclusive. He, you don't see him until... <laughs> yeah, I'm in the tub, see? Right. <laughs> and then uh, finally, we've got James Temple, the owner of the hotel, Lionel Barrymore, who was 70 at the time. 
All that sound good? It sounds great. All right, over to you, Joey. Who is your veteran, Frank McLeod? All right, well, this is a movie that should never be remade. Indeed. Because uh, what's the point? Agreed. You can't improve upon it, I think. But here, here's my concept. I want to do this kind of as like a graphic novel come to life. <laughs> yes. Nice. So think... Richard Linklater's Waking Life, where yeah. they filmed okay. real people and then animated over it. There's a Philip K. Dick adaptation where they do something yep. similar. That's kind of what scanner I darkly. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I want to do with this. So think again, uh, graphic novel come to life. I'm gonna cast uh, Humphrey Bogart's role. That's what we're doing first, right? Yep. Uh, Frank McCloud is gonna be Paul Rudd. Yeah. Uh, who is ageless and yeah. can pay pretty much any age. And plus, we're going to animate Magazine's it anyway. Sexiest so. man of the year this year. Mm-hmm. Also the host of this upcoming Saturday Night Live. By the time you hear it, it'll be last night. All right. I love it. Paul Rudd. It's going to be great as this. And over to you, Sean, your pick. And with a 51-year-old actor from Union City, New Jersey. Uh, he was in Parker, Blue Jasmine, Ant-Man. Uh-uh. <laughs> not what you think the station agent and you pick michael douglas and vinyl i went with bobby cannavale bobby Ooh. cannavale nice There's a little bit of a weird interplay there between my pick and sean's yeah you know, with the ant-man i mean you know it's all synchronous man it's like a plate of shrimp it's like when you're thinking about shrimp and somebody walks by with a fucking plate of shrimp <laughs> That's from Repo Man. It is. All right. So my pick is somebody who I really think could play a vet, a grizzled vet. And he might have done that before, but he also has a little bit of the, um, I don't know, the the stand-up guy quality that that Humphrey Bogart has in this. Like, you know, he's, he's, he's going to do the right thing, right? And so my actor is 44 now. He's in Killing Them Softly. He was in the movie Monsters. And he's also in Argo. His name is Scoot McNary. Nice. Scoot McNary is my pick. Another chameleon. All right, we're moving it on to Lauren Bacall's character, Nora Temple. And Lauren Bacall was just 24. So, Joey, who was your pick for this? Well, uh, playing Nora Temple, uh, our listeners will know this actress from Suicide Squad and from I, Tanya. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I have Margot Robbie. We're going to clean her up, uh, clean up old Harley Quinn, (laughs) and uh, put her in this role as Nora Temple. I like it. I'm with a 31-year-old actress. Um, She was in Silver Linings Playbook. Uh Uh-huh. She was in American Hustle. Yep. X-Men First Class. Yep, yep, yep. The Hunger Games. I went with Jennifer Lawrence. J-Law. Yeah, Lauren Bacall is, you can't hold a candle. There's nobody Mm -mm. who looks like her. What an unusual looking person, but Mm -hmm. what a strikingly beautiful Mm -hmm. person. Very beautiful. And um, my pick does not do her justice either, but she is kind of a, a new hotness. Uh, she is in Big Time Adolescence, Under the Silver Lake, and the movie I showed at Scary Movie Night 13, Nocturne. Her name is Sydney Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Sydney 
Oh, cool. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next, we've got the man of the hour, Edward G. Robinson, who was 55 at the time, playing Johnny Rocco. And he's a gangster who's been exiled to Cuba, but he's in the keys to do a deal before going back to Cuba. Joey, who is your pick for Johnny Rocco? Well, uh, again, Edward G. Robinson is somewhat difficult to recast because he's he's super unique. Yeah, he he has a very striking look. He's got kind of a Cagney esque mm-hmm. quality. Um, <laughs> so I went with uh, someone who I think can kind of pull this off, and um, Johnny Rocco in this movie is a little bit different than the character from from little Caesar that Robinson plays in that he's a little more grizzled. Um, and so I went with someone I think could pull that kind of aspect of it off. And I went with someone who chop shoppers will know, uh, from a lot of things. He was in swingers back in the day. Uh He's in freaky recently. And it's Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Sweaty. You went with swingers and then freaky and those are the only two references for Vince Vaughn you're going to give the chop shoppers out there. <laughs> I love it, though. This is great. Uh, all right. So over to you, Sean. Who's your pick? All right. I went with a uh, It's a little bit older. I'm with a 62-year-old Jewish-American actor. He was born Jason Scott Greenspan hmm. from Newark, New Jersey. He was in Coneheads. Yeah. He was in Pretty Woman. He was in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> he was also in Seinfeld. Yes. I went with Jason Alexander. Wow. Uh, that's stanza. a pick. <laughs> I love casting. That's com- a legendary pick. I love there. casting that's... comedic actors in serious roles. Bravo. Though. I think he could do it. Bravo. He's also, um, he's he's in this game already, importing and exporting <laughs> with Vandalay Industries. Industrial smoothing. Yes. Good job, man. Very good. All right. Well, mine is mine's okay compared to that. He's 55 now. He's in Minority Report, Red 2, and Justified. His name is Neil McDonough. Oh, Neil McDonough's great. Neil McDonough. And I think he's kind of got the um, subtle intimidation thing going on. Like he's got a hemorrhoid. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I was thinking when I recast this. <laughs> Next up, we've got uh, the elderly owner of the um, Largo Hotel. His name is James Temple, and he was played by Lionel Barrymore, who was 70 at the time. Joey, who's your pick? Uh, this was uh, one that I, I struggled with a little bit. Okay. Um, and I ultimately went with an actor who Chop uh, Shoppers will know from all over the place. Um, this is an actor who has recently been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Oh, um, which I think would kind of play into this character a little bit, a little bit. Um, Yeah, it would. And he's still active as an actor. He has, uh, credits that are out in post-production right now. Uh, and it's Dennis Quaid. I did not know that Dennis Quaid had been diagnosed with Parkinson's. He is, uh, scheduled to play Reagan in the Reagan. Yeah, that's biopic. one of his post production. Uh, yeah. One of his credits that's in post production right now. Yeah, that will be interesting. Uh all right. Over to you, Sean. 
All right. Well, if you didn't think I could follow up my uh, Jason Alexander pick, well, I got you. Okay. Uh, you know, Lionel Barrymore is fantastic. Um, he's essentially playing the nice version of Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. His other, his other role. His other main <laughs> big, role. Big yes, role yes, everyone really knows. Is. He's the nice version. He's still in the wheelchair. He's still kind mm-hmm. of old and crotchety. Um, I was a 70-year-old actor who, speaking of chameleons, we've kind of talked about that a lot in this episode. Uh, this actor's been in all kinds of shit, but uh, most people would know him from uh, Office Space. I went with Stephen Root. Stephen Root. He just wants his red stapler, red his stapler. swing line, oh, his oh, swing wow. line stapler. He can play anything. Yeah, he's yeah. so good. He was great in uh, True Blood. Uh, he briefly. was also in True Blood. Yes, and uh, News Radio. Well, my actor is also 70 now. He was in uh, Red State, the Kevin Smith uh, movie. He was in Bad Milo and Office Space. His name is Stephen Root. Yes! Stephen Root. Nicely done, sir. Wow. (laughs) Nailed it. We crossed the streams. (laughs) Playing with the boys. (laughs) All right. Once again, synchronicity. All right, so final thoughts on Key Largo. Can't recommend it enough. It's a masterpiece. All right, that being said, uh, we do have a <laughs> we do have a bonus segment, and it is going to be a battle royale between the following Eds: Edward G. Robinson. Versus Eddie Van Halen versus Mr. Ed. <laughs> wow. I'm going to go with Eddie Van Halen. I, I'm going to go with it, in his prom, Mr. Ed would have destroyed both <laughs> of those guys. You'll kick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know, Wilbur. No, Eddie Van Halen's going to shred him. I picture Eddie, you know, kneeling on the stage, doing that, like tapping on the frets thing, playing, trying to play Eruption, and Mr. Ed just comes in and just Kicks decimates <laughs> his ass with a fucking mule kick, like you said. Yeah, I love it, and I side with Joey. I think that Mr. Mr. Ed, Ed wins this one, <laughs> and so, do you know, uh, Sean? Do you know what next week's episode is? Yeah, we're recasting Rankin and Bass. Christmas classics. Yeah, so animated Rankin and Bass movies. Yep. And we're going to have the option of doing them as voiceover actors or live action actors. Correct. And I do have a trivia question for you about Rankin and Bass. Even though there is no trivia next week, calm down, you guys. There's no trivia next week. From 1960 to 1968, Rankin and Bass Animation Entertainment was known by what name? Creepy Puppet Stop Motion Animated Pictures Incorporated. That's so close. Hanna Barbera. Videocraft. Videocraft oh, International. It's on the tip of my tongue. Joey, I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I had a great time, and I am a little bit more tipsy than I planned to be. So Excellent. My apologies to our engineer here who has to uh, <laughs> edit all of my bullshit out tomorrow. And thank you to our engineer, my co-host and co-producer, Sean the Brew Boss. Thank you for doing what you do. Do either of you have anything you want to plug, Joey? Plugs? Um, I'll plug a crime fiction anthology called Trouble No More. 
based on uh, Almond Brothers uh, crime fiction stories based on Almond Brothers songs. That's cool. Um, I have one called "Ain't Wasting Time No More." Hell yeah! Nice. And uh, it is. We talked about furries earlier. Yes. Um, just a little bit of a spoiler. This story is bound to shock and offend the furry community. Oh, furry vengeance. all right so sean do you have anything you want to plug i'm gonna plug the uh this is gonna sound so cheesy i'm gonna plug hawkeye the oh you mean my doppelganger the disney plus tv series he's also the mayor of kingstown i don't care for him in the least but the tv series has done an exceptional job of emulating and paying homage to the Matt fraction comic series on which the tv series is based so this is highly unexpected yeah, exactly. I'm, it's it, it's really good, and uh, check it out. At some point, does Jeremy Renner do a whole bunch of cocaine and hold his wife and kid hostage? Not yet. He's Not separated yet. from his family, actually. He mm. does kind of look like a grizzled Travis Allen there. Told you. So you're saying I look better than Jeremy Renner? Fuck I, yeah. I, I kind of like grizzled it. myself. I want to plug you know. <laughs> the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. A review That's on a iTunes would go a mile. And uh, also all of your podcatcher apps. We are located on podbean.com. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. We are at Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter. We are facebook.com slash Cinema Chop Shop. We are Cinema Chop Shop at gmail.com and at Cinema Chop Shop on Instagram. Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D where Chelsea's going to check in these amazing beers. And also... Uh, the audio version of this will be on YouTube on Cinema Chop Shop Podcast on YouTube.com. And finally, thank you to you, the listeners, the Chop Shoppers out there who listen every week and tell all of your friends about us. Don't forget to get that vax. Otherwise, social distance and wear a mask. And please remember to watch Chop Chop. Retrofit. Yeah, see?